Welcome to the jungle, the Auburn men's basketball podcast. Seven-footer Kessler with the screen, gets it back, goes right down the lane. Auburn men, talking Auburn men's basketball. Katie Johnson over Gibson. No frills, no gimmicks, just ball. Jamari Smith left wide open. Here's your host, Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett. All right, we're just coming off of a 17-point victory on a day with College Game Day, 75 Auburn, 58 Texas A&M. Uh, you know, another great victory and a long line of victories here. We lost that Arkansas game on Tuesday, so it was good to have a big comeback. Texas A&M's had our number at times. They've beaten us. We've only lost at home with fans like five times in the last three or four years, and two of those was Texas A&M. So as much as Texas A&M's been on like a seven or eight game loss streak, they weren't great the other times either when we were good. So it was just good to have another somewhat dominant victory. Matt, what do you think? Great bounce back performance. If you're watching this on YouTube, I apologize. Uh, it's not worth getting into personal life details, but I am recording this from a vehicle in Houston, Texas right now, and I did get to watch the game. It was awesome. I'm really glad we bounced back so well. It just felt like one of my keys to the game was could we look like Auburn basketball? Could we play like ourselves? And it really felt like we did, even though we, we have some concerns about shooting and other stuff that we'll get into. But a good win. Anytime you win easy in the SEC, it's a good thing, and um, I'm glad – we're back on track. I hated that losing feeling. No more lost podcasts. Love it. I didn't know. I wouldn't know what to do two in a row. So I'm glad we, we got this college game day in town, like the, the world of college basketball coming in to watch Auburn. Cause I saw a comment or two that why is college game day in Auburn for Texas A&M versus Auburn? Texas A&M is not very good. It's not even a ranked matchup. They came to see us because it needed to happen. We've created such an atmosphere at Auburn that they have to see it. They had to like, this is kind of like a, here's your trophy like you are legit like this we have to see this kind of thing and that's a lot of the culture that Bruce has brought a lot of the culture the fans have have like gotten online have gotten in the stadium it was great to see that we kind of got that honor of like this is a place to be in college basketball yeah um it's it's only the second time ever right so it was cool I actually so I was walking through the airport in in Houston and I had my Xfinity stream app shout out Xfinity I was listening to game day like the whole time while I was getting my rental car getting off the plane I landed at like 955 it was perfect so I got to hear all that you can't put a value on the uh, attention you get from that even if nobody really cares about the college basketball game day show it's the fact that the entire sport like Bruce said they could have been anywhere they could have focused on any program they chose to be in Auburn like you said it, it almost it's frustrating that it didn't happen earlier, but it really does feel like, obviously they weren't there for Texas A&M, no offense to the Aggies. They were there to kind of like celebrate this thing that Bruce has built and that we've helped to build as Auburn fans that, you know, and I'm glad we put on a, maybe not the best show we could put on, but it was a good show for leading right into that off of college game. Hey, we're building a foundation and this, this game was not the biggest game on our schedule or anything like that. It's just, it's building that foundation. It's building, it's another stamp of respect from like the college basketball world and media. So you just keep doing this stuff and building this stuff. It took a huge matchup against Kentucky last time, this time, like, I almost love that it wasn't that Kentucky game. Now that, now that we got it, I was pissed when we didn't get it before, but now that we knew it was bet like on, now we know it, we got it. 
it was better than it was just like an all like we are just there for Auburn. This Texas A&M team is not good. Uh, Matt, uh, I think we might have one of the easiest MVP discussions we've had in a long time. We've made some, we've had some tough ones recently, and uh, this is might be top five like easiest to choose. Matt, what do you think? Who's who's your MVP, Matt? I don't think it's going to be too hard to do. Yeah, the the easiest layup ever, right? It's Walker Kessler, um, the second triple double of the season, the third in Auburn history. He's like already in this elite company in the SEC, and uh, he's the only guy with multiple triple doubles this year in college basketball. Um, you, I got to give Jackson credit, everybody, because at one point it really like, man, we got to get Kessler scoring. Like he's got two points and ten blocks and seven rebounds and then immediately he started getting some entry passes he got some uh easy buckets um he is I'm so glad everybody is starting to appreciate how much of a freak he is like there he it's clearly he's the best center I've ever seen at Auburn by far um he can do so many unique things and the fact that his offense is coming so far uh, coming along so far and these blocks like I know we see it every game but who has 12 blocks in a college basketball game? Like nobody. It's insane. Makes it look so makes it look so easy. Yeah. So he he's the easy MVP. He was gonna, here's how good he was. He was the MVP when he had two points. Okay. That that's how good he was today. I uh, I was doing some research on triple doubles. You know, we did a lot of research on triple doubles when we found out that he got the first one since Kenny Gabriel, only the second in the program. And we looked at how rare it is to get triple doubles. We're three-fourths through the season right now, and only 15 players in the country have a triple-double. And Walker Kessler's the only one with two right now. And so I started doing also more research on who's had double uh, in a season or, like, just, like, what is the record in a season for triple-doubles? It's really hard to find. It's so rare. It's not even, like, a thing people put on stat sheets, really. Shaq had six triple-doubles in his four years of playing for LSU. Dude was one of the most dominant centers of all time not just in college, but in the NBA also. Like, he is the guy. When they say pick a center, Shaq's the guy. He's that dominant. He only had six in his entire career. He had several games that were 40-plus points, 50-plus points in college. I looked at a bunch of Shaq stats today because he was just insane in college. Walker Kessler already has two in one year at Auburn. It's really, like, mind-blowing. I wish I could find more stats on the other incredible part of it because a lot of these triple-doubles, you look them up, like Kenny Gabriels was against Bethune-Cookman. There's a bunch of other like ones like that that I was looking up on the multiple triple doubles. And a lot of times when you find them, they're against very inferior opponents. Walker Kessler's done this twice now, both in SEC play. So not only is he the only guy to get two triple doubles in a year, he's the, definitely the only guy to get multiple double triple doubles in conference play in a conference that's really good, like a top three conference right now, if, if not better than that. So it's really insane. It's also insane that you could see him doing it again. It's just all it takes is one of these like first halves where he gets really hot from the blocks and the other team like just refuses to stop driving on him basically. Or like Matt likes to say, we kind of watch, or at least I have been watching. And I think it's a great observation from Matt. If you watch his first possession and he doesn't pick up a foul in those first like two to three to four minutes before uh, Cardwell comes in, it's going to be a good game. If he picks up a foul in those first three or four minutes, you got, you're going to start being on the watch for things. So it was crazy. His game was crazy. His, the fact that he only had two points going into like midway through the second half was very indicative of our offensive performance in this game. And the, his, this whole performance, honestly, it's a great way to talk about the whole game because his defense was amazing. His, his blocks were amazing. 
his points were super low. And then he kind of turned it up in the second half. And there was one possession where we knew he had like five or six blocks in the first half. And it was like, okay, well, second half's coming. It's weird that he doesn't have two points, but he did have a foul or two at one point. Then he's in there. And I'm like, this guy has seven blocks. If he gets like 10, if he goes 10 plus on blocks and rebounds and does not get 10 points, I'm be pissed. It's all because we're not getting him the ball. At the end of the first half, there was even one where he posted up perfectly and Jabari tried to get him the ball and they kicked it. It was like, no, we finally were going to set him up for a point. So he didn't get it. But right as I texted Matt, a couple other people, like, we got to get Kessler some points. He's got too many other great things going on in the game. He went on like a 6-0 run. Like, he scored every possession uh, three times in a row. Dude's like, uh, it's crazy how great his offense has gotten, too. It was a low-scoring affair for him. I want to see his stat line. 12 points, 12 blocks, 11 rebounds. Just insane. But he's none of that was three-pointers. Didn't take a three-point attempt the entire time. And when he did get the ball to finish it, man, his finishing is getting so good. Like the amount of times he can just kind of effortlessly make a turn and dunk the ball is really insane because of his length. And then even then, when he doesn't get the chance to, to dunk the ball, his touch is really good for a big man like that. We haven't even said the most crazy stat of this whole thing. He played 24 minutes. He played. Whoa, half, I didn't. He played half the game, a little more than half the game. It's just. It's insane. Like that, if you there's this thing in the NBA, they talk about like per 36 stats, which are basically like the the standard amount of time somebody would play. Or you might hear in college per 40. Like, what are your stats over the course of if you played a 40 minute game and could like maintain that level of productivity? This dude would have had 20 points, you know, 20 rebounds and 20 blocks if he you know played for most of this game. It's it it's really almost silly at this point. And I'm glad we can just like gush about him for a few minutes for this MVP, because the thing that's cool about him, and I know people have talked about this, but I don't know if people fully appreciate it. He is the key to this entire defensive thing we've built. Like Jay Billis is bragging about just, man, no one plays harder defensively than Auburn for an entire game. Like they just, and A&M missed a lot of shots, but we caused a lot of bad shots. We I thought our defense was terrific. The reason our defense is so good is you combine Bruce's like, pressure attacking perimeter style except now they can be even more aggressive because guess what if you take a risk and your guy gets by you you've got not only Jabari Smith somewhere in there probably coming you've got Walker Kessler and our guards are just fearless like they know if they make a mistake or if they get beat which today they didn't get beat much when they do they've got this amazing eraser on the back end that just it makes our half court defense so good. So there's things in the stat, like the stat sheet doesn't talk about that. And that's why I know it's annoying to hear altered shots, it, but it's true. He, he affects everything in this game. Like he single-handedly, when Auburn couldn't make a shot to start this game and his defensive presence allowed Auburn to not only like not be losing, but have a lead, even though they were playing terribly offensively. It, Truly, it was one of the best performances I can remember, you know, in, in such a unique way. He, uh, people hear altered shot, too, and I think they, they might think, like, oh, the guy's got to put it higher on the glass or something. And the interesting part is he does that, too, but he's got, like, three tiers that are going on that are so crazy that make him so good. And he really needs, like, I, I'm so glad he was getting the love fest after college game day on this game because I really think he is underrated and should be, top candidate for the defensive player of the year. And I'm tired of hearing about Oscar Shibwe as a national player of the year while Walker Kessler's not. I know Walker Kessler started slower, but 
I Walker Kessler, Oscar Sheebway, like his rebounding game is great, but his defense is not like this. And it's it's not just the so it's the blocks that get on the stat sheet, 12 of those on the stat sheet. But then the weird middle tier is the blocks, and then the top, there's another tier of like people just have to adjust their game and drive differently when he's in. But there's this middle tier where you almost like just count that as a block in the stat sheet where he puts that big arm up. And the other guy goes for it and he doesn't touch the ball, but that ball is not getting anywhere close to the net because the guy had to just kind of throw it up there because he was so like intimidated. You see one like two or three of those a game every time, like air straight up air balls off a, off a drive because his arm goes so far out they freak out and throw the ball up. You wish like at that point, I know he didn't touch it, but he blocked it. <laughs> like that's a block. I wish you could count that. He had uh, a he had AM completely rattled. I mean, you could just tell they were rushing shots that were close, they were nervous to put certain shots up around him. Like he's finally getting that respect factor. I'm still shocked that many people drive the ball at him for him to get 12 blocks. Like, what are you thinking? And by the way, Shibwe had a terrific game today, but guess what he's averaging? Do you know what his average blocks per game is? What? Two, three? 1.5. Wow. And that is, that guy is a freak. He's, but he's just not built like Walker. He's not the same. He's better. He's, he's a bigger, better rebounder. Maybe. I don't even think he's a better offensive player. He just gets a lot no. of garbage points. Off I, I watched his whole game today and I've watched several of his games because he is really impressive to watch his big things. He's super impressive with the rebounds. And then you watch him like from his scoring perspective, from the block perspective, it's not, it's It's good. It's good. It's not elite like Walker. Like watching Walker is, a, is watching a freak and watching Oshibay is a really good rebounder. Uh, a big thing for Walker right now is he, he, we've seen him once or twice now take over the lead from this guy, Jamarian Sharp from Western Kentucky to be the leading block uh, shot blocker in the nation and he keeps losing it back and forth kind of like depending on the night or whatever I think he's officially taking the lead now because now he with tonight I looked up Jamarian Sharp's uh, blocks and I looked up Walker Kessler's I believe well actually now I gotta do the math again I'm trying to do math on the podcast which is always a thing I think I believe after tonight he will be up because Jamarian Sharp was up four then he got four tonight so that's up eight plus the 12 so there's four so now Walker Kessler should be up by four blocks, leading the nation four plus right now, which they're both averaging around four games. So I'm thinking Walker Kessler, he's finally secured the crown of top shot blocker. He's not going to just lose it back and forth every night. I think he won't lose it again. He's amazing. He should get a trophy for that in itself. I've said it a thousand times, this team is so impressive from a block standpoint. And if we weren't already the number one team in the nation, we'd be making shirts and signs and all kind of about how it's a block party and how amazing it is because we're number one in the nation. It like overshadows this amazing block stat that we may never see again. And if you don't think it's a big deal, we're going to get into shooting percentages later for this team and, and some cause for concern. You don't think it's a big deal. Uh, it's a huge deal. A&M, we could have beaten A&M by 30 today very easily. And we were three for 25 from three. Okay. Like, and, and we're going to talk about what, why that's a potential problem, you know, even looking ahead. But the fact that all, this Auburn team is 23-2, and two, undefeated in regulation, and they're not shooting it well, they're not shooting open shots from the outside well right now, says everything you need to know about the construction of this team and how special of an interior. We talked about the front line being the strength. Well, you are seeing it the last few weeks because no other team that I've seen in college basketball has that. Jay Billis was just gushing about our defense today. It's a great thing. He sees all the best teams. 
he, he just thinks we're on a different level defensively and it all starts with Kessler. Like it's really amazing. Jabari is when's the last time Jabari had like a terrific game? Like a few weeks we're ago. We're gonna have to get to talking about it because that's in my pregame notes. So well, this might be, you know, we're giving Walker Kessler the MVP right now. Walker Kessler started a little slow. I think people are starting to turn a little conversation that it was like uh, Jabari's the most important player. Walker's the best, like, defensive player and, like, guy we have to, like, rely on down low as a freak. But Jabari's, like, the man. It's starting to turn a little bit where people are like, maybe Walker Kessler is the guy on this team, like, the the dude that you couldn't lose. You know? I mean, you can't lose either, but it's just Jabari's getting all the love as the draft pick. But we're starting to see that Walker might be the most the, – the guy on this team, like, the overall season MVP. We still need to do the math and see how the podcast MVP race is going. I haven't done that yet. If if you're a if you're a fan of advanced metrics, Ken Palm gives a team MVP to every game based on like how you did to help your team win. I wanted to say a few weeks ago, Kessler had won like 10 of 12 in a 12 game stretch of being the best player on the floor for Auburn. So whether you just, you know, whatever the point is, I still think we have to step back and look at what we thought about Walker like in December before conference play started. We were like, well, can he be on the floor against SEC competition? Is he big enough? Is he tough enough? Is he versatile enough? Man, like it, it's one of the great things in sports when we just get stuff completely wrong. And not, not because we're wrong, we just don't know. And you see a kid like this clearly was ready for this amazing moment. He even acknowledged in an interview the other day, he's like, this was this is better than any, than I thought this would year would go for me. Like this is an amazing thing so just enjoy it man i'm having so much fun watching him play uh, i was looking at some more stats here i'm hoping i'm trying to put this perspective how crazy this guy. i think people are kind of like cool you know like that i, I hear that's rare like don't, people are not realizing how impressive even espn i, I feel like was not talking about how impressive this because i think the biggest craziness is he's doing this in sec play right. against good teams like this is against lsu who's ranked a, a decent portion of this year texas a&m has started out really strong this year i looked up the other 15 guys and i thought to myself how many of these guys did it against like p5 opponents well there's only two other guys on this list that were even in the majors a guy from wake forest and a guy from duke the guy from Wake Forest did it against NC Upstate or something like that. Some other like extremely small at a conference team. The Duke guy did it against, uh, I had it pulled up here, against NC State. So only one other guy. I mean, one of these mid-majors might have done it. And I'm just not going to look through every mid-major guy. But of the other two guys from a major conference, the Duke guy is the only other guy that's done it all year against NC State. He's done it twice, Walker Kessler, against major teams in the SEC. Just all praise Walker Kessler, man. His game is just... We saw it last the game game before he did it with three pointers. This game he's doing it with crazy blocks. We can talk about his one other thing. To talk about that's weird. You know, he played twenty four minutes. Part of that was because he was in a little bit of foul trouble at times, and it's so frustrating that he picked up a foul on like trying to chase after a ball. It was such a weak foul. Like I, I'm starting to get to a point where like he's such a good. He's so impressive to not pick up a lot of fouls. You hear it like opposing fans at away games now. They get frustrated. He makes a block and they don't just like automatically whistle. But they've shown replays. He just gets those arms right up. Essentially, it looks like he like jumps up and knows that he could put his hand in front of the angle for the like uh, the rim. Like he blocked another dunk tonight. He's been blocking dunks, which are so impressive. They showed a highlight from the last game where he dunked, got one from behind. This time, a guy with one hand dunk. All he did was put that arm straight up put it right in front of the goal, ball runs right into it, reflects off. It's so impressive. 
but it was extremely frustrating. I think he picked at least one on that weird, like away from the basket, trying to get a ball that was like running away from a rebound. And I think he picked up another weird one like that too. And it's just uh, so frustrating. Today was another example of how easy it is to pick up four fouls when you're not even like, they were all kind of weak. A lot of them were. And the last thing I would say about him, you know, looking at we, we won points in the paint 48 to 32 in this game, which was basically the uh, gap in the score at the end. That is directly correlated to his offense and his defense. It's going to be hard for other teams to beat us in the paint inside where you get easy baskets because we have Walker Kessler and you don't. All praise Walker Kessler, MVP. I know he'll be listening in and just so proud and know he gets his, his little podcast MVP. Uh, thank God for Walker Kessler and his inside presence on, on offense and on defense. And thank God for the defense as a whole, because our offense has been trash the last couple of games, in my opinion. The guard play has been bad. And this one was a really bad one. Thank God Texas A&M not only had to deal with our defense really great, thank God Jasper's back to play good defense with the guards. Thank God we play good defense. Thank God you got to put this on top of this if you're not a homer. Texas A&M, they're not playing well, but they're also were ice cold. It was not, it was ice cold college game day in Auburn Arena and our defense turned up. They shot 0% from three in the first half, 0%. I think they had something like 16% from the field in the first half. Like, you can play the best defense you want to play, but when you're playing another major team like this, some of those are going to go down. Even if you're locked on on the three-point line, something should be should go down. They just played awful on top of our great defense. But thank God they did, because on the game, we shot 12% from three. 12%. And a Bruce Pearl Auburn team shot 12% from three and won by what, 17 points insane you could not imagine a moment like this a couple of years back with that final four team or something they could not win a game shooting 12 percent from three we ultimately shot 40 percent from the field also they shot 27 percent 27 percent from the field that's awful we shot 39 percent not that great either and that was a lot of fast breaks and, and different layups and things we did later on in the game we kind of blew it out this offense is uh trending down recently we're gonna have to figure out something from the three-point line matt you want to tell them that great stat about national championship teams and their three yeah I, I meant to do some more research i know on game day if you watch us i believe it was seth greenberg talked about the last few national champions have shot you know in the upper 30s from three which makes sense at the mod with the modern game um auburn's a team that shot over 40 in certain games i i need to look up some of those stats to be a little more prepared but the bottom line is that the most people think for this Auburn team to win a championship, to win a national championship, they've got to hit open threes because everybody's going to focus on Jabari and Walker and Wendell going down the lane. So it, it comes, it becomes really important for Jalen Williams, for Alan Flanagan, for Devin Cambridge, for Zepp Jasper, um, any of those guys to be able to hit shots when they're wide open, KD Johnson. And the reality is the last few weeks, they just haven't been going down. So we were talking about this recently. I just think it's something to track. Um, and by, I did have one other note. Uh, if you're discouraged about, I, look, this was not a pretty game for Auburn offensively. In AM's eight-game losing streak, that is by far their worst loss by points. All their other games were within 10 points, even in their seven-game losing streak, and that included losses to Kentucky, LSU, Tennessee, 
Arkansas. So we we did a number on them, and their shooting did a number on them. But this was an impressive win. I know you could look at the record and say whatever. I just wanted to point that out. This was by far their biggest loss uh, in this stretch. They they scored 18 points in the first half. We scored 33 in the first half, and it was not good offense from us. It was just grinding it out kind of stuff. The second half, they scored 40. We scored 42. You knew they would bring, like, they ended up with awful averages, and we did too also. But that second half was more indicative of, like, a usual game and kind of you knew they were not going to score 18 again or shoot 0% from three, and they didn't. Did, did you know what happened in their last game? They lost to LSU, but uh, they scored 16 in the first half and then 52 wow. in the second half. They actually came back and took the lead. Right? Was that away also at LSU? It was at home. At home. Weird. I mean, but, teams do this kind of stuff. Uh, I'm getting irritated with the Kentucky narrative about tie tie being out and things like that. But we've seen a bunch of games this year where we go down like midway through the first period and kind of like roar back right before the the half ends and come back in the second half. So just, it's irritating me that that's happening. Cause teams seem to get into these kind of like, you know, we saw our final four team did that. We went down by 15, 20 points in so many games and came roaring back. Uh, so it might be a Texas A&M thing too. Uh, you know, we shot, we hit three threes this game at 12%. Well, we're going to keep talking about threes. I mean, I think we made a note of it in a couple of games before that we're just not trending great in threes and just can't seem to hit a lot of these open threes. And I saw, I don't know if it's Matt, if you made this point, if I saw somewhere online, that the people like like they're really zeroing in on KD and Wendell and they know Jabari's good at three and even Kessler now they might have to get up on the but it leaves these guys open like Jalen Williams, Cambridge, Alan Flanagan, Zeb Jack, like some of these guys get left open because they have to choose and pick their vows and those guys just are not hitting anything. Cambridge is supposed to be known for the streaky three shooter. Like I've been on him for two years now. He hit had one great game, maybe two. I can't even remember if there was a second grade. I just know that South Carolina game he hit like seven three at this point his average has to be awful this year I think let's see if I can look at it or not but another weird part of this game is that no guards hit a three this game we had three threes one from Jalen Williams one from Alan Flanagan and one from Jabari Smith no guards hit a three uh let's see KD took five of them didn't hit a single one of them Wendell we'll get into Wendell in a minute but absolutely disappeared which is Honestly, fine. We won by this much. It might be good to have a game like that, but he only shot one three all game and missed it. Uh, Jalen Williams shot three threes and made one. And if you watched him play, there was like a possession where he think he should took all his shots in one possession where he made that three. But just just crazy. Uh, if you want to talk about something good about it, Alan Flanagan, he had his air ball three. We've been checking where he didn't have his charge, but he scored 16 points. Uh, 511 from the field. It got us some tough points early. Uh, really good sign for Alan Flanagan if we want to take some positive takes right now that he could go in there and do some rides. And maybe it was one of those games where all the shooting is off, and it's the kind of thing we wanted from Flanagan to be able to drive the ball and get tough points. And he did it this game, didn't pick up a charge. The airball three thing is just wacky at this point. I don't know how that keeps happening. So I don't know. Great job, Flanagan. Like Walker Kessel easily, like blew this away but you know, a lot of times the leading scorer gets the mvp he's a leading scorer with 16 points walker kessler had 12 kd had 11 uh cambridge had 10 actually good good job cambridge too so playing again what are you, what direction do you want to go with this i feel like we're on offense you can say, go a bunch of directions are we going to go through players now it sounds like um i get just talk about anything else that stuck out like that i guess okay last last thing i had um because i want to get to playing again because that, that's a good point um I think if you watch this game, uh, it really felt like we 
were about as sloppy at times as we could possibly be. I questioned the math on the turnovers because I thought we had like six at one point in ESPN and everywhere was showing three. So I don't know. But the fact that we came back and won turnovers is significant. It was only by one, but even in our sloppy game, we forced more than we had. And then really, this is key. At one point, it was 12 to one offensive rebounds and they were just killing us early. You know, they weren't doing anything with it. It was like that game we played against Missouri where we got all those offensive rebounds, didn't do anything with them. But we were just getting gashed on the boards. And you look up at the end of the game and Auburn wins rebounding by seven and ties offensive rebounds somehow after being down 12-1. So I credit the guys a lot for kind of – I knew A&M was going to – they're just a physical kind of different team. They're just going to play with their hair on fire, kind of like us, just less talented. And it felt like we settled into the game nicely and were able to, like, win those key metrics as the game went on. It, it felt like almost like lazy passing. Like, it was weird. We, it was, a lot of these turnovers were off of weird long passes. I don't know if it's kind of defense they were playing or what, but we made, you know, usually you're kind of like on one side of the three-point line. You pass it back to the point guard in the middle, and then maybe he goes to the next. We were trying to make these passes from one side of the three-point line to the other and kept getting, like, picked off and it would go out of bounds or – two or three plays where it just went off our players' hands out of bounds. It was really sloppy. It's a weird game. If you go back and watch it, maybe don't go back and watch it because it was a sloppy game. It was not like we ended up scoring 75 and winning by 17, but it, it, it was sloppy. It was not good for the like state of basketball. There was a lot of people complaining about the refs too. They were kind of strange at times. I don't feel like overall that it was so bad, but I think a lot of this stuff got cleaned up in the second half and you ultimately like some of these stats cleaned up, but man, the first half was absolutely brutal and thank god Texas A&M was as bad as they were this game well let, let's let's be clear I you're 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 always probably a little more on the extremes than I am I A&M missed open shots and they were cold for sure but I just felt like didn't you feel like our guards defensively like they just stayed in front of their guy and a lot yeah. of times we over complicate defense I think having Zep back is a massive we'll talk about when we talk to players like huge for all the reasons that you don't see in the stat sheet it just felt like we had a different edge and energy defensively and my ultimate takeaway on offense it was ugly some weak passes some bad decisions but didn't it feel like we just shared the ball better and that's what Bruce kept saying all week we we need to share the ball more 18 to 9 we want assists we've been losing that category a lot lately we were getting good passes to guys in good positions when we did score it was usually off the good pass so I was encouraged by that I'm really I have one question for you that I think could guide this a little bit before we get to pregame notes. I like that our schedule down the stretch, like we had a harder schedule, in my opinion, to begin the year. And now we're like kind of on a downhill a little bit. We do have some tough games at Tennessee, who's playing well at Florida is going to be tough at Mississippi State, who's fine or whatever. But like overall, if you look at our schedule, we have a couple of games where like this one where we don't have to play our best game, we can still win. Do you feel like we're trending in the right direction? No, um, not on the road. I think away from Auburn Arena, we haven't played very well in a while. I mean, you would probably almost go back to that Tuscaloosa game, you know, and even then we kind of blew a big lead late and had to hold on for dear life. Part of that's just how hard it is to win on the road. It feels like at Auburn Arena, I don't know if anybody would beat us. I really don't. I think not to jinx us the rest of the way at home, but I just feel like we're playing our style with these players. It's going to be hard to beat us in our arena. But obviously, none of the games in March when we get to uh, tournament time are played in Auburn Arena. So I do not think we're hitting on all cylinders offensively. Uh, I do think we have shown enough on defense to know that that's going to be with us no matter where we play. And I'm encouraged by that. 
But no, I, I think this team has a lot of room to get better. And I think if you fall in love with the record and you're not really watching possession to possession, you can kind of fall asleep. I, I totally agree with you. I think we have a lot of work to do. And there's something to be said for all your plays are on tape now. Bruce keeps talking mm-hmm. about this. Like everybody's scouted us. We're the number one team in the country. They know our flex action. They know our high screen and roll. They, so we have to have counter punches for how the teams are going to play us. And I think that's the next step for this coaching staff. Okay, we had some really good offensive stuff. We're scoring 80 a lot of times, 75, 100. Our offense, even when we complain about it, scores a lot of points. But how do you adjust when people play you deep differently? And I think that's the growing pains you're kind of seeing right now. It, it feels like the word is out on our guards that we've been worried about this entire time. It's part of the reason our 3% was so bad in this one. It feels like Katie Johnson's gotten locked up a good bit now. Wendell Green was completely quiet in this game. It was good to see, like, another extremely, extremely frustrating is not just the guards, which I feel like is becoming an issue, uh, you know, as much as we saw Wendell still gets to drive by people sometimes, but inferior opponents, like, it's good that we're playing less good people, but that at Tennessee game can be just as hard as any game on our schedule, in my opinion, and it's it's close. Kentucky won again today, so it's going to be a close battle down the stretch. It's very, it's frustrating, but uh, the other weird one that's trending badly, some of these are trending good, playing against trending, trending better. Uh, Cambridge is trending better. Those are good. Maybe even Cardwell in this game was good. Uh, but the, the guards are trending badly. And the other person that really has to be talked about trending badly or not trending up at least is Jabari Smith. He hasn't had another game that's just super quiet. He's three of 10, one of four from three. I know it's like we, we weren't going to get straight into the players, but I just feel like it's got to be talked about this trend that we need him to peak in March. And right now he's just, kind of like bumping a little bit like I don't know like not bumping against the ceiling like we know the talent's there he drove once or twice this game which was good picked up a foul on one of them his shooting's not been as good the last couple of games I wonder what his average is right now you know he was shooting 40 percent from three at one point but I can't imagine he's still shooting that at this point he's now shooting he still says 40 percent on here from three so maybe I'm wrong it just feels like his shooting is they're locked in on him. He's getting some foul calls and stuff, which is good. But I just don't, you haven't seen as many of those like money, like, uh, you know, he backs some guy down, turns around, hits the jump shot, and it's just absolute money. He doesn't feel like those are going in as automatically anymore. Maybe it's because half the time they would have, he gets fouled. But, you know, that's what I was going to say. If you go back and watch in November how he was guarded and go watch now, it's, it's completely night and day. I mean, everybody has their best defender right in his grill. Hopefully he keeps getting the foul calls when he when he deserves them. I feel like sometimes he's getting hit. He's not getting the calls for a great player. He should. Um, yeah, I mean, we need him peaking. We've seen enough, I think, to know that that's there. There is this thing of like kind of a midseason slump for first-year players. You know, it's, it's a grind. We've talked about how many games they're playing, how quick the turnarounds are sometimes, with travel. And, you know, it's easy to take that and you know, not think about it, but – um, he's probably working through some of that stuff. I love one of my big takeaways from this game. Though, is I love that Jabari and Kessler played 24 minutes. I love that Wendell Green played 22 minutes. I love that um, it just we were able to kind of give our guys not a night off, but a less stressful night on their legs. Um, that's huge at this time of the year. I really hope that pays some dividends and hopefully kind of maybe the same script with the Vanderbilt this year. Uh, you know, we just hope that. One, one interesting thing 
in great teams and we see it in every team you know we talked about the guards are kind of an issue that it's the reason we weren't picked as high in the preseason pure you know, questioning our guard positions and we've seen how we do have some great players there but it seems like every team we play against and every great team it feels like has a guy in a guard position that can get theirs that gets theirs no matter what partially it's because we have so many guys on this team that share the ball that we don't have a guy that's just going to take so many shots that they're going to get theirs every night but we've seen against other teams it's fine if the guards on this team aren't going to get theirs necessarily but someone needs to be the kind of player that's going to get theirs every night we thought Jabari was going to be that guy that would score 15 plus no matter what he would always figure out a way to do it he's just not he's had a decent amount of games now where he's scored eight or nine points and he he plays great defense and he's a hustler and does a lot of other things and maybe some of these other guys that go and get theirs that get theirs on offense maybe don't get theirs on defense the way Jabari does are are just good team players but to be a national champion to be a final four team like we want to be Jabari's got to go get his I don't know what that means necessarily if that means he needs to shoot more sometimes like he's three of ten today I don't know if he should have shot two or three more yeah there's been games where we were adamant that he should have shot more I don't know if this game was necessarily he should have shot more maybe he should have made more this game I don't know but that's that's my like prediction is that he has to be a guy that goes and gets his for us to be a truly great team yeah this game didn't have the game flow that would dictate him getting a lot more shots the other thing I'd point out, he's got to kind of get in rhythm. He had four turnovers today. Um, he, like I said, he's a great player. He's going to make a lot of money soon. So glad to have him. Everything about him is great. But he is not a finished product. I mean, you know, I think in some ways it shows that Kessler played a year of college basketball already, and Jabari hasn't. He's still, you talked about the league and how good it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough every night, and now he's getting this incredible amount of attention from defenses. Um, I just think uh, you're, it's definitely something to track. I think his arc, if you will, and our outside shooting are by far are the two things for us to be watching the last few weeks of this regular season. Yeah. All right. Let's get into pregame notes. I know Matt is in a, he looks like he's uh, recording from the Apollo space missions in there, but he's recording <laughs> from a car with a laptop. So we'll see how, how much longer that lasts for him, but we can get the pregame notes to kind of guide our conversation here. Mine is, how much better do we look with Zep back? Way better. Our defense looks way better with Zep back. Can you imagine without Zep a game like this from Wendell where he scores two points? Uh, that's it. I was about to try to read some other stat lines. Two points, two fouls, one turnover. Like, if you had a game that quiet from Wendell without Zep, it'd be awful. And the fact that the defense just looked so much more locked in this game, like I said, they were texting him was really cold but also it just felt like we were flying to the ball in all circumstances and that we are really on top of their, their players at all times, all game long. And that's a big part that Zep, cause he already does that. He's a great player. And then people like Wendell don't have to play 30 plus minutes and get tired and kind of lollygag around. So. Exactly. Zep, Zep, uh, man, look at the shots. Uh, if you're looking at the box score on YouTube, look at the shot distribution. You remember when we were talking about how Wendell, when he's on the court, the whole game, like it just feels like people aren't getting the ball and all of a sudden you look down and, Four different guys have between nine and 11 shots on this team. Kessler had seven. Like, we just – the ball moved around. Uh, one – Wendell, yeah, two points, one of four. That's weird. He's probably gassed from the amount of, like, yeah. load, you know, how, how much he's played the last few weeks. But, look, one turnover from Wendell. Only one. Zero from Jasper. We had turnover issues, but it wasn't from the point guards. Um, Five assists from Wendell. I guess I missed that on the stat yeah. line because I was about to say that I wonder if he – 
you know, we talk about how much with Bruce that doesn't get mad at players for taking shots. He like lets these guys go. Even we had Amphrey Macklemore on the podcast uh, earlier this week. If you haven't checked that out yet, go check it out. This kind of stuff that's always good no matter what during the week. But uh, he talked about how he never felt like Bruce ever got mad at him for making a decision in the game or that he ever met, got mad at a shot. So Wendell did those two games in a row where the whole fan base was yelling, like, stop shooting. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? So you, you wonder if Bruce actually said anything or not. You just hope that you don't want him to only shoot four in a game. I want Wendell to shoot like eight, nine, 10 a game, you know, depending on how the game's going, maybe more, maybe less or whatever, but you don't want him shooting four a game. I know that for sure. That's too, too small for a guy that's as good as him. So like, I don't know. I don't know if he took that in from the fan base. If he, if he like self-reflected that he was taking to me, you hope it's not an overcorrection. Clearly we won by a good amount. And I didn't feel like I ever was like, where's Wendell? We need to shoot. In fact, I like by the end of the game, I didn't really think about it. And then I look at the stat sheet later and I'm like, dang, yeah, Wendell was just disappeared. But I didn't even like process. I didn't process that he disappeared like I do for some other players, you know? The thing you have to keep in mind is he played less than Zeb. I mean, he just wasn't on the floor as much. He played 22 minutes, still a very quiet 22 from him. But usually he was playing 30, 32, even off the bench. Um, so this was very much a kind of a half a game off for him the way the minutes played out and he probably deserved it on he was playing too much he was and, and the amount of energy he had to exert at his size everything was hard the last few games where he was playing you saw it in the Georgia game you saw it uh in the last game so um yeah I, Zep made a huge difference and if you don't believe again if you didn't believe in his value before he got sick you know hopefully you see it then I've, I know I'm, I have, I have been changed uh, to, you know, it's been kind of a thing on here that I'm a Flanagan guy and Matthew or Matt's, I don't know, I'll call you Matt, you're on Zoom, so is a Zep guy. And I just like, okay, Zep, okay, all right. He's got great defense. Man, with ML, changes things completely, man. So it's, I'm a big, I'm a way bigger Zep fan than I was before he went out. Uh, my next one is, can we break the Texas A&M home curse? I talked about at the very start that we had issues where they'd beaten us at home twice, like only five teams, I think. Maybe I'm getting the stat wrong, but I think it's only five teams when we've had fans in the stands in the last five years as being at home or something like that. And Texas A&M was two of them. It was just strange. There was like a Tuesday night late in the season at one point that we lost to them and just some strange games. So this one could have been strange too if things went a certain way. So They had never lost in Auburn Arena. Oh, crazy. I think I heard the college game. They maybe they brought that up and Bruce was bringing up the players. He's, he's a master motivator. Bruce wanted to make history. Beat A&M at home. Let's go. <laughs> he's a master motivator. He's great. You know, we'll talk about some college gaming stuff. I think Matt watched. I'm, I watched most of it. So my last one is, can we get Jabari trending in the right direction in the second half of the season? We talked about it. No, it, it wasn't great. Uh, you know, I'm glad he's a great team player. And that's part of the thing we talked about. We have a five-star guy like that. I think we talked about it early in the season and even in early in the SEC play, how great a teammate he is. Oh, man, he passes the ball. He's not selfish at all. He, you know, he plays hard defense. But at this point, we're asking him to, like, be, I don't know, maybe not necessarily be more selfish. Ten shots is not necessarily, like, a bad number in this game. But we just got to have him, if he's going to be the alpha, if he's going to be the dude, he's got he's to go get his every game. He's not doing that right now. Uh, Matt's is, does Zepp's return and a return home get Auburn back to playing their game? Yes. Yep, we talked about that. It was good. It was good to see another game where we were turning a team over and going and getting fast break points. Uh, we talked about that as a weird trend also. Still not perfect this game. It's still We're still having some issues finishing in transition. I don't know, like, 
had a depth on that. I think we still had some decent like alley-oops from Cambridge and there was one great one from Cambridge where he just like took off and one hand jammed the ball. So amazing. But there was another one where Zepp missed like a, a two on one and he just went up and just didn't get it at all. Didn't even get the foul call. We just got to clean some of that up and figure out, uh, I don't know if you practice that or what you do, but we got to start finishing in transition some more. Uh, your next one is, can Auburn get the pace up, tempo, and thrive in the open court? <laughs> we were just talking about that. And I, I did feel like it was better. It felt like we couldn't fully take advantage of it, but it just didn't it just feel more like an Auburn basketball game the way we understood it? You know? It did. It did. Even though we were the most sloppy one, it felt like in the first half, it felt like when we finally blew it out, it was the kind of way we like to blow it out as Auburn, you know, getting on the run, getting like fast break points, pushing the tempo. Like I said, we still got to figure out some stuff with finishing on transition, but, you know, it could be worse. The last one is AM has been dangerous when they shoot high percentages from three. Can Auburn force their perimeter players to drive towards Kessler and Carwell? Man, what? we have some astute notes, and Matt brought the astute notes on that one. Yeah, um, they were one of the best – they were the best three-point shooting team in the league when they started 4-0 in SEC play. Um, they pulled down. People have kind of figured out to chase them off the three-point line. And like we talked about earlier, when you chase guys off three-point line, it's really nice to have a guy with your back named Walker Kessler waiting for them in the paint or Dylan Cardwell or Jabari Smith. Just felt like that was our plan. We did give up some open looks early that if AM had made them, you're right, the game could have been completely different. But overall, I thought defensively our first half was super strong and we did chase them off the line and guide them to our shot blockers. It really felt like we – had intentionally planned that out. So I do give myself a little shout out for that note. Yeah. And speaking of when Cardwell's in, I love to see this stat every time. Dylan Cardwell is still in the top five in the SEC in blocks. He's at 1.5. He just kind of just barely stays in there. But I love that we have two guys doing that. He's just tied with Sheepway, right? He's right there with Sheepway. He is. He is tied with Sheepway and Charles Bidako from Alabama. And then the, the two top are Walker Kessler and Colin Castleton, not even close, but we know that when Walker's going for number one in the country, it's not going to be close. Um, and interestingly, I didn't realize this. Walker Kessler leads the SEC in field goal percentage at 62%. So that's, that's pretty impressive too. His offense has gotten so good. And, and centers are going to always lead that kind of thing. But the fact that he's leading the whole SEC is pretty huge. And he's taking uh, those threes. I mean, he's been shooting a few threes a game, not at a high percentage, and he's still shooting six. True. Uh, Looking at the stat sheet here, uh, Wendell's number four in the SEC in assists, so that's nice. Uh, rebounds, Walker's fourth at 8.4. Uh, Oscar Sheway's blowing everybody out, averaging 15.1 per game. That is freaking insane. I mean, good for him on that, or I, I don't like it, actually. Not good for him. Screw Kentucky. I need them to lose. I'm uh, My nerves can't handle it. I don't think we have any other stats on this SEC sheet. Oh, Katie Johnson is fourth in steals. Did he have a – he had a some sort of play. He didn't have a Hamburglar play, but I think I saw one where he, like, pounced on an out of, like, inbounding play and calls them to go out of bounds and immediately got the ball back, which is yeah. close enough to him. But I, they always – he does that a, a decent amount, and they the camera's not on the play, and all you see is, like, kind of like a, a blown whistle with an A&M player, opposing player being like, ah – and it's KD celebrating. You're like, what happened though? <laughs> like, what? They don't even show the replay. They just move on. You're like, all right, whatever. One of my biggest frustrations is when uh, sports telecasts somehow miss some of the live action with different camera angles and stuff. Like, it's not that hard. I want to see every second of every play when I'm watching a game on TV. It makes me really un irrationally mad when that doesn't happen. 
they think they can get away with that first, like, cause it's almost like a, uh, they think they can get away with that first inbound pass in like the middle of game sometimes with flashing to a, a replay or flashing to like them talking or something. Not just against a Bruce boxes. Pearl team. Not against a Bruce Pearl team. That's where we make our like bread and butter is on those out-of-bounds plays. Like you got to show us the play. Yeah, they might as well do the two-screen thing. I don't know what's going on. Well, this would be a good time, I guess, to start going through the players a little bit. We, we ended up talking about most of them already, but, you know, Walker Kessler's, you know, I'll say stat line one more time because it's so impressive. 12 points, 12 blocks, freaking insane, 11 rebounds, uh, no three-pointers this game, which is interesting after uh, he hit a couple of the game before. We talked about Walker Kessler. Any other thoughts you have about him? No, nah, man, I think we covered it. I mean, just a terrific performance. He, you know, people are going to forget quickly how great he was against Arkansas in that loss. I mean, he was incredible. He's really pieced together. When he's not in foul trouble the last few weeks, he is at an elite level, and he has such a high impact on winning. It's just crazy. Jabari gets all that. We'll talk about Jabari now, too, for just a second more. I know we talked about a good bit about him already, but, like, Jabari gets all this love because he's the number one, what might be the number one draft pick or whatever. It's kind of annoying, like, that these professional leagues take so much, like, talk about this stuff. Like, we are college basketball fans. I could care less if the NBA even existed as a college basketball fan, but Jabari gets all the love and all the attention. Walker, if this was, if there was no NBA, if NBA didn't exist, Walker Kessler might be the guy that's getting all this love because right now he's the most important guy and doing insane stuff right now. And Jabari's like a good player that's helping us and is very talented, could break out any moment. But it's kind of annoying that it could be like that. Both of them, though, are unicorns. I mean, we've never seen anybody shoot as a big guy at Auburn like Jabari Smith. We've never seen a center play like Kessler can. Uh, The other Kessler's down. I'll just keep throwing these out there. He has more blocks than North Carolina does as a whole team. He continues to just wreck. I mean, if you, uh, man, there's just so many good stats out there about Kessler. We could do a whole two-hour podcast on Kessler. Dang, this went from a KD Johnston uh, podcast to a Walker Kessler podcast real real quick. Like, (laughs) uh, Jabari, one last thing I had about Jabari. We already talked about it a little bit, but four turnovers. uh, His turnovers before it felt like were from, like, freaking out on like breaking the zone and things like that. He's just not got a great dribble right now. I really like at times he looks competent. I think it was this game. Uh, it might've been, it might've been Jalen, but he like took the ball up a little bit and he started dribbling. He did like a crossover between his legs and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. Look, he's doing the thing. And then he immediately turned it over. Is that, was that this game? Right. I believe so. Yeah, it was, uh, it, I think the word's out that he's not got a great dribble and he does not have to do this crossover three-point line stuff that like if he doesn't develop that this year that's okay but he does need to develop catching the ball and making one or two dribbles towards the basket and like he can do that I you know keep doing that it's frustrating we thought he had a little more handles in him well he's gotten way better defensively he's gotten way better in his rebounding and physicality we questioned that for a little while it does feel like the handles the last piece for him and that's when you look at a guy like Kevin Durant, right? He can just dribble it up the court and jack a three in your face. I think Jabari will be able to do that too in a few years. Uh, but yeah, that's still, it, it is a bit surprising and probably just because we hold him to such a high standard, but he's, he's not the most comfortable dribbling and they just have guys all over him at all times now. So you can't get away with a loose handle either because there's going to be somebody there, probably their best defender, uh, the, you know, their best wing or post defender to try to steal I wish the stat sheet I'm looking at had totals, but uh, talking about blocks again, sorry, I had to go back. It's just so insane, our blocks right now, that I wish we would, like, promote that a little more. Uh, Auburn is averaging. We're number one in the country 
averaging 8.2 blocks per game. And to put that in perspective, the number two team is UConn. They're averaging 6.3. 8.2 to 6.3 is a huge jump. The next couple of teams on this list, number two, three, four, five, all that is 6.5, 6.3, 6.3, 6.3, 5.9, 5.8, 5.8, 5.7. Like they're all very close. And then we have this huge jump from 6.5 to 8.2 as the number one team. It's crazy impressive. Enjoy the mess out of this. Please, someone make some t-shirts, like get some music playing, something to like let people know, like when a block hat, like we wanted to do the whole like block thing with the bees. Uh, this, you know, I, me and we will talk about more, but me and Matt plan on coming to the game against South Carolina, the last game of the season. I'm very excited. I'm so glad I'm going to get that in. You know, something weird could happen, but that's the plan right now. I might need to make me, a big sign that says blocks and it, I can, you know, like hold it up in the stands. And every time there's a block, I'm going to flip it to one to two to three. And that's going to get on camera. And I'm, you know, maybe it'll start a thing. Maybe, maybe I'll make the sign pay for it or whatever. And then after the game, just leave it with someone on the staff or leave it with somebody in, in, like operations or maybe leave it with, with Michael Floyd in the student section and be like, next year we're getting a block counter going. I love it. I can't wait. I was going to text you about that today. So. The, the next guy on the team to talk about, and this one actually is going to be a good conversation. We talked about Kessler and Smith, but I think we need to talk some more about Alan Flanagan, man. Great game from Alan Flanagan. It was really cool. He got 16 points, no turnovers, which is really big for him right now. Uh, four rebounds, 5-11 from the field, got 1-3, one 1-6. One uh, he did airball three, which is like a, I mean, I literally was texting people like, check <laughs> Flanagan shot an airball three, which is just Crazy. I don't know what's going on with him, but he didn't take a charge, which is really big for him. He's just, uh, it's good to have a game. Maybe this is one of those kind of games that, you know, we, we talked about the injury and him getting comfortable and all that. Maybe this is the game that turns the corner where it just, he needed one of those breakout games. He needed one of those games where he saw the ball go in, where he got the calls, where he didn't like get a weird charge or get, you know, something happened. So just really glad. I think I'm really hoping we might next game, he might score two points and have four charges and three air balls. And we like completely change our mind, but I have a feeling this is going to be a kind of stepping stone to him getting a little more average of nine or 10 or 11 points and looking a little more competent. Yeah. To me, the best stat for him is five of six at the line. Uh, he shot more at the free throws than anybody on this team. He was going downhill. No turnovers is also huge. It's just good to see him be the leading scorer, honestly. Like, I just think that's – it's not all about scoring. I know Bruce is trying to really get him to hone in on defense and rebounding. That's where he thinks he can help this team, like, win, you know, a national championship. But, uh, man, it is nice to see him score in kind of a, you know, slightly stress-free game. And you're right. Hopefully it unlocks something moving forward. I mean, people, I think some people are forgetting pre-injury looking at this team coming in. Flanagan was going to be the leader on this team. Sure, Jafari was, we hoped could be what he is now and, and maybe even better. We hoped Kessler could be the unicorn and all that. But I think if you ask people before that injury, if, if Flanagan, who would be the leading scorer on this team, who would be the leader on this team, it'd probably be Alan Flanagan. Even post-injury, just going in a season before we saw this team really take over, we probably still would have put Alan Flanagan. So the fact that this is his first game all year that he's led the team in scoring it's kind of crazy from the pregame or preseason ex expectations. And we kind of changed in the last two or three games to say, like, you're, you made a great point that he led the team and scoring how great that is. Because honestly, you asked me at the end of last game, I would have said, I don't know if he has it in him to lead this team in scoring the rest of the year. Like it might be time to change the perspective on him to just being a solid three. That's not an issue. 
not a guy that can lead this team. And to have him lead in scoring, I think that's going to be big for the locker room and different stuff. So great on, on Flanagan, man. They keep an eye out on that as a trend. The next guy is excited about that. That that was a great uh, heartfelt Flanagan commentary from our guy. That was awesome. Part of it, man, you got to stay by your opinions and, uh, you know, need him to do better. That's right. Uh, The next guy is Katie Johnson, uh, 11 points, uh, two steals, three assists, four rebounds, uh, 05 from three, which was a big deal, 411 from the field. Uh, Just uh, an okay game. The 05 from three is really brutal because he had a couple open ones. And we've gotten to a point where uh, if you're going to pick three point shooters on this team, Wendell's like the logo three guy, but doesn't get very many open ones from like the actual like three point line that's kind of like a passing play. And KD kind of seems to be the guy that's getting these like passes off of drives and things that needs to hit these open threes. So to go 0 of 5 uh, was not great. He had a couple of plays, I believe, where he drove the ball and it was fine. Uh, thoughts? If you take that out, right? If you take the three point shooting out, it's a great game for him. It's exactly what you want. He's four of uh, six in for two at two point range, three of four at the line, three assists. I saw him tweet out, uh, Y'all thought I couldn't pass, huh? And he's had some good passes today. One turnover, um, under control, played the most minutes of any player again and just continue to hammer that. I think people fall asleep. Bruce knows what he's doing with his rotations. He likes having KD on the floor probably more than everybody else. I think part of the reason he plays that much is because we don't have a good backup too. Every other position has a very strong. Uh, you're uh, You're forgetting twos and threes are the same. I know, but you know how it is. We got Zepp and Wendell at the point guard. Flanagan, we got yeah, Flanagan uh, and Cambridge. We got Jabari and Jalen. We got Walker and Cardwell. There is no second to KD Johnson. Uh, there's no guy. You know, I, I just that's how I feel. I think he plays because there's no one else that's like similar to him that can play in that position. No, no, I, twos and threes are the same in his offense. Um, if he wanted to, he could definitely give Flanagan or Cambridge more minutes. Now that Zepp's back, he could give Wendell more minutes at two, which I love seeing that. By the way, I love the Zepp and Wendell combo, kind of like the Jared Javon combo from a few years ago small guards but like it allows Wendell to play off the ball I really like that um look I you're you're right in some ways but I just from watching Bruce for a long time I'm telling you it's a really big compliment to KD and he thinks KD makes winning plays like he's gonna make some bad plays but he trusts him to be on the floor late he trusts him to like make the plays that only KD can make perhaps that's the middle ground between our two points there there's other guys that can play there there's not another Katie Johnson that you can put on the floor and he, he fills this unique role. So yeah, it's just a really good game from him. If he knocks down a three or two, you know, he may lead the team in scoring and he, had, it would be a really efficient game. So I, I think overall he was really frustrated with himself. He missed two like wide open ones that were just all day. And he just missed. So that happens sometimes. He, overall, he, did, a good game. he missed the wide open ones. And also I'm going to need all our guards to start shooting the ball as soon as they get it in their hands, if it's open, they're yep. not, they're not, grabbing the ball like it's never going to be that open like he kd had some great open ones tonight but most of the time what happens you get that ball and you have that half second to make that shot they keep catching the ball and and it gets in their heads or something like katie especially takes grabs these balls and then like pump fakes or takes a dribble or something just catch and shoot and we just do not have there the only guy that does that really is uh care uh cambridge but he's just not making them but he's doing it correctly Pretty much every time Cambridge shoots, I feel like it's supposed to happen. The Paul gets to him. He's open. He takes it before the guy can close out on him. Perfect. 
He's just not making them. <laughs> so uh, the next guy is uh, Zep Jasper. One point, one foul, two rebounds, <laughs> one assist. Like well, you get assist. Yep, one assist. Oh four from the field. Oh one from three. But you know that's not his thing. He's not the offensive guy. But you saw after the last two games how big of a deal it is that he's back. And I'm just thank God he's back. I don't know if we figured out exactly how he was sick. It was a stomach flu or something, but it looked fine out there. You know. I'm just laughing because that is like it, it, he's probably the best example I can remember. Long that's a terrible stat line for such an important piece in this rotation. Um, it's just I've always thought basketball is a game of these little things that you don't see or you don't pay attention to. Everybody pays attention to scoring and all these like shot selection and all this stuff, but there's all these little intangible things. And Zepp is the old man on this team. He's played the most college basketball of anybody on this team. He just has. He gets it. He's completely sold into winning and doing whatever it takes to help this team win. And that attitude is contagious. I'm convinced that's part of the reason why we missed him so much. I need to start using, you know, we, we put a box score up on this uh, chat here and I kind of use an ESPN one on my second screen or what I need to just get used to this one because it does have some good comparisons. I just now realizing that Texas A&M after shooting 0% from three in the first half, ended up shooting a better percent from three than us. Yep. Man. That was a god awful game from three point line from both teams. Both teams shot under fifteen percent. I guess, thank God they shot so bad. I mean, like, you know. Anyways, uh, next guy on the list is uh, Chris Moore. Played two minutes. I have no thoughts on Chris Moore. Uh, yeah, at least he's getting married. It's good to see Leor and him in there just at the garbage time. But it's it's good to see Leor is available and healthy. Him and Preston and Chris got to play at the end. That's good to see. Leor, man, you could have you could have made this percent nicer. He missed his one three that everybody thought was going to go in because he was finally back or whatever. Uh, next guy on my list is uh, Jalen Williams. Five points, three fouls, two turnovers, one block, eleven rebounds. Wow. I was going to say, give that man, give give my other guy, Jalen Williams. Uh, <laughs> you know, Kessler had eleven rebounds in twenty four minutes. Jalen had eleven in sixteen minutes. That's oh. insane. Um, and again, he's just, it feels like he's just one or two shots away from just really opening this thing up. I, you were talking about maybe Flanagan feeling like this could be a turning point. I don't, this was not the game for Jalen necessarily, but I'm glad he got to play more. Glad we got to sit Jabari and not play him as many minutes. And I just really hope that breakthrough, I'm telling you, Cambridge is playing better. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about him in a minute, but just we need one or two of these other guys, the veteran, experienced, non star guys on this team to kind of get to that next level. And if we can get that, I think you're going to see a big difference in our offense. Yeah, he hits one or two of the, you know, he's got one of three from three. I think one possession was all three of those shots. Maybe he had a weird possession where he like shot a three and then like went and got his own rebound or something and then went on the same position, shot another three. I think he made it on that one, but he had a weird possession where he got like three or four shots on like one possession. He's an athletic freak, you know, the 11 rebound shows that. Like I said, one more three-point shot, and this game changes most every game. Uh, the next one, uh, like this guy, man, I thought Cardwell played a really good game. And as I texted Matt that his his touch now coming off of like a big thing we've seen with some of these guys is, sure, they get the rebounder, but putting it back up, they, they just kind of miss or whatever because it's really hard when you're putting all your energy and muscle and all that, like fight through contact, and then just let it go gracefully off your fingers onto the back and like get a soft touch. And he's starting to develop that. He ended up with nine points, uh, three fouls. He got some foul trouble early, three rebounds, uh, three or four from the field. He's just – he looked good out there now. 13 minutes, he uh, 
like I remember him looking good, which is a kind of a thing for him when he plays such limited minutes on a when Walker Kessler had such a great game. Dylan Cardwell still like made an impact in this game, in my opinion. Yeah, no, again, you just see more minutes for those bench guys because the game was kind of, you know, in hand in the second half. It's a it's great for the team chemistry. It's great to see Cardwell get to play a little more. This is a lot of games in a row. He's just hitting some shots that aren't dunks. I mean, he's finishing, like you said. Great to see him get five uh, free throws. He's He very hardly ever shoots free throws. I was thinking about that when we were talking to Anthony the other night. Those those two free throws at the end of the final four game that he made when he was saying, you know, Fortuma, uh, those were his first free throws of the game, you know, in the final four in the last 20 seconds. Like, you never know who's going to be there. What if Kessler – gets in foul trouble and, and Cardwell's on the floor at the end of a tournament game and he's got a he gets hacked when he gets close to the rim because they want to make him hit two free throws. He just hadn't taken hardly any this year. So three for five, good experience for him and just his energy, you know, there was a great, almost a great red play where he knocked it out and like sprinted with the guy down the other end, almost got it. Didn't quite happen, but it forced a missed shot off a short shot clock right after that. He just Again, a guy who does things that impact winning. So it's always good to see him have success. He, he hit a three-pointer this game, or at least a big guy three-pointer, the kind of big guy three-pointers I like to see where he had a, a two with a yeah. foul and and one, and he hit the free throw. And I said, damn, Cardwell. Like, that was like one of those moments where you're like, good. That, that's like the next tier for him is if he can hit it, get a two and then get that foul and then hit a free throw. That's like an, another tier up. So you're just maybe seeing a glimpse of what, Carl Mike can develop into next year. Uh, next guy on the list had a, a great game for him for what we expect of him. Uh, Cambridge with 10 points, uh, four rebounds. Uh, he didn't get, he get one offensive rebound. He's still, he's flying around. It feels like a lot more making a lot of hustle plays, playing good defense. Uh, the fact that he got 10 points and none of that was from three, he went 0 four from three, which is still like an issue. He's got to hit some of these open threes. If he's going to be the reputation we have for him. But 10 points for him because he had some great dunks in this game, man. Some great alley-oops. He's still having a couple. I think he, had, yeah, he went to the free throw line for two of two. I'm glad they called a foul on an alley-oop attempt because it's becoming a thing. These other guys seem to, like, pull down on him or try to nudge him or whatever, which is dangerous as it is. But he's not always getting the, the foul calls on those. And he's – every game now, it seems that we have one or two where we are attempting some crazy stuff for him. And he's always this close to getting them sometimes. And it's just great to see all these guys getting multiple assists. You know, you, you mentioned looking at, like, Cambridge is not a guy who's dribbling a ton or creating a lot of offense, but you're right, four for five from two. A, lot, a couple of those were on dunks. By the way, I was watching on my phone in the car. Otherwise, that dunk would have gotten me off my couch. I was in an off-the-couch moment. That dunk was sick. It, it's insane. I don't know how he's so athletic. It, it really blows my mind. I was trying to explain him to a friend of mine here. I was talking about the game. He was like, he's so unassuming. And then he does that. He, that was from the SEC logo right in front of the free throw line that he took off on that one on the fast break. And it, I feel like it's so rare that he gets in the open court like that. And to see him finish with such ferocity and, and then a couple alley-oops too. Um, he continues to do four rebounds, one turnover again, like just really, really good minutes. And I think that's the theme of this game, right? Besides Kessler's starring role, like this was a really good game for a lot of those guys doing the dirty work who are maybe not scoring as much or playing as much as they would like to. Um, it, it's just really good. It's good to see guys like that succeed. And I think this is Cambridge trending up for sure. You like to talk about trending up, trending down. In the last few weeks, he's really finding this role and he's being more productive in it. 
I agree. Great. For, I think Cambridge has figured out what he wants to do and what how, how he can help this team. And it's great to see. I mean, part of it's because you're number one and you're winning all these games. People want to be part of this team. But it's cool to see these guys starting to like, you know, I talked about the roles or whatever. Like, there's doesn't have to be roles. These guys are finding their spots and we're learning what they can do. And I'm hoping now that it's like overall the team feels like maybe like we don't want it to be a peak a couple games ago or whatever, like after that Kentucky and that's the peak or whatever. It's fine. That's our peak. We're just not on that same peak anymore. So we got to hit it back the other way. So I'm hoping some of these other guys can adjust a little bit that like maybe they found what they thought their role was earlier in SEC playing. Now it's time to kind of adjust a little bit more to like what your next thing's going to be. Uh, the last guy I talk about is Wendell Green. Played so many minutes last couple games. Uh, Takes so many shots. We already talked about it a little bit, but he you know with two points, two fouls, five assists, uh, oh one from three, one of four from the field. Uh, you know, it's it's good that he didn't have to be great this game. It's great that he didn't have to take that many shots after so much that he had to do the last two games. Uh, just great this team could get a win like this without having to have any of these guards go off and have a game where they're quiet and we can still do this. Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a it's a night off in a way. I love his control and his composure to take four shots and to uh, only have one turnover in a night where I, I would have to go back and look at the tape, but it, it sure feels like teams are really starting to key on him and see how important he is to that lob game with Kessler and to getting in the lane and finishing at the rim. Uh, he's getting a lot more attention and I think he's got to let the game, like he's got to trust his instincts first of all, but then he, Know, if, if they are defending him like crazy and bringing extra help for, on him, he's got, he has such a good team around him. He just needs to keep uh, the five assists are great to see from him. He's always been a good assist guy, but just to get, to get everybody involved when you're not getting yours. Um, and I, I really hope this is a really good, like break for his legs. Honestly, he was the guy I was most concerned about fatigue down the stretch. He's a small guy. He's good, carrying a lot of weight for this team. Um, yeah, I really hope tonight is like a good game for him to we, – we win big. He, it hurts his stats a little bit, but I don't think he really cares. Like, it, let's just track – if you're looking for something to track with Wendell, let's see how the teams the rest of this regular season guard him. Like, I think teams are picking him up further out and trying to drive him to their big guys, kind of like we talked about with the A&M guards. And he's not – he has some amazing finishes at the rim, but I wouldn't say of all the Wendell outcomes, I would probably want to make him make a really tough layup like against the trees inside rather than give up an easy three. And I think the other key is that little mid-range game. The one shot he hit today was a great little free throw line, you know, in the not the three, not the layup, but in the middle. I think he's going to have to hit that shot a lot to continue to kind of build his game. I hate to compare him to Jared Harper because everybody keeps trying to want to do that. If you want to make a difference between the two is that Jared Harper was a great strong finisher for his size and lips. And we don't just does not have that. He's these great like baller moves where he can really like contort his body or make a stop and get a guy up in the air and then does this thing. Jared would go full speed and come at you. Wendell could not do that. It's not in his game, but he does have a floater that Jared never developed. And I, I would love to see him use that a couple more times. And it's very impressive. His jump shots and his floaters right now. Uh, that, that's everybody on the team. Uh, any of your thoughts about this game before we kind of get in, maybe looking at some SEC stuff, some national stuff, some college game day stuff? Yeah, um, no, that, I think we covered it. I mean, it's, again, the depth of this team is the strength, right? It's the strength in numbers. Wendell can have an off night. Jabari can have an off night. I think the stat I sent you was Jabari 
and Walker and Wendell combined in the first half had eight points and Auburn was up 15 and, and shot 20% or whatever. Like it, it really is crazy. Every game, something happens to make you realize how special and how deep this team is. Um, and I, I just think this is a good win. Uh, and we get Vanderbilt coming up, you know, at home. So another chance to kind of get what should be a winnable game at home and, and kind of get some momentum. In, and then four of our last six are on the road. And that's going to kind of tell the tech for this team. It's interesting. Uh, you may kind of go to the college game day. It's a huge deal at college games back in town the second time in three years. We freaked out when college game day came the first time because it was, oh, my God, we're making history. Bruce was like, this is huge. We're finally getting the respect. We're getting college game day, all this stuff. It's kind of interesting that we finally get it again. And now that we're number one, we've had so many great games and all this stuff. You can almost get a, a sense from the fans and things that, like, that's cool. Like, all right, I'll tune in. Or, like, and it's not from, like, an apathy standpoint. It's just, like, this is not one of the bigger games on our schedule. We've already had so many big games. And we've had, like, the fact that this isn't that big of a deal to us, that this seems like almost like not like a night off necessarily, but, like, one of our more easy, winnable games or whatever is kind of huge. Like, we're, we're a little spoiled now that Texas A&M, that another conference opponent can just be like, yeah, we are supposed to win that. We know that. That, you know, uh, any any thoughts on like watching game day? It was interesting. They did it right up to the game. I don't know if I've seen that before. Like any signs you saw or anything? Uh, like I said, I was having to listen to most of it. I'll, I'll watch it probably when I get back um, back home tomorrow. But you're right. It was a different attitude. I know in, in another sport where college game day exists, I almost said it. Um, Auburn people have just kind of been like, eh, whatever. Nobody cares. Everybody, y'all right. Everybody hates ESPN anyway for a lot of different reasons. And it wasn't quite that, but it was different. It was more expected. I think everybody just had fun, like, that we get that attention. We always talk about how hard it is for us to garner that. And I think you, you, I think, were on the money with how important the number one ranking is. It's not because the rankings matter. It's because you need this attention. Like, Jabari has gotten, I think. He a, up on me. He's still there. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Anyways, just in case this. hopefully this is a recording still good. Okay. You're back, Matt. You, you broke up a couple of times there, but we, we are dealing with a little situation there. I'll keep you updated. If, if Matt breaks up, I see he's moving around again now. Uh, interesting thing. I also noticed at college game day is the whole jungle city stuff. So it's gone from uh, Pearlville to jungle city to jungleville. So they seem to have set that up a little better. You know, we had our, our jungle Pearlville correspondent, Matt Plexico did such a great job of like, documenting that whole night or whatever and the craziness it was out in the cold for that Kentucky game and they had put all their tents together out in the grass and kind of set up this kind of like idyllic Woodstock type scenario whatever that line it just went to chaos and these kids ended up having to stay up all night on the cement in the cold and it was just kind of miserable and not very well put together and we, we tried to give the administration a little bit of uh you know leadway this is the first time ever whatever well now they get a second time they've renamed it they kind of set up the line slightly different. It just feels like the administration did not think this one through either. They've not put in, like, I'm hoping by next season, maybe they have some real plans. I saw that Bruce made a video beforehand, like, hey, be cleaner this time. Be nice. All this stuff. You can't do that kind of stuff. I'm just going to go on a little rant about it. It's just human nature for something with that big of incentive in a line. You have to have real rules that are laid out that people understand. And so this time they had a line and people tinted again, which is really cool that some, some kids spent the night again, but it was a lot less of them. 
uh, still amazing that two games this year we've had kids camp out. Uh, one interesting aspect was that like two hours before the game, about an hour before game day, there's a lot of people on Twitter saying students show up. There's like a bunch of empty seats in the student section. And that's because a lot of these students got exhausted from the last experience and didn't want to have to deal with that same thing again. I think a ton of kids would have camped out if they felt like there was a real plan and real rules and they weren't going to have to sleep on the cement again. So just let's get this together. Let's, you know, maybe that last game of the year might be another camp out game, get some rules together and lay them out. Don't just tell people to be nice and not make a mess because that's not going to work. You have to lay out real rules. So that's a rant for that. Uh, my next thing about college game day, not to keep talking forever, we had another student, another correspondent. Except for this time, it was a kid. It was Luke, our little our little kid that came on the the uh, podcast last time. We talk about how Auburn's number one team in the world. He'd done a show and tell, great video on Twitter. We got him to do a little kid correspondent and show kind of a little bit what he got through in this his day. Didn't quite work out as we hoped with the phone batteries going down and things. But shout out to Luke and his dad. Michael, they sent us some videos. And Luke, as we talked about, we said we would try to get them in contact with somebody. He got to meet the team. He got to go to the locker room and meet these players he had on this poster. He got a picture of Jabari and Walker Kessler and Katie Johnson and Bruce Pearl himself. So check it out. It's on our Twitter. It's on Michael Dad's Twitter. So cool that little Luke got to meet his little heroes from Show and Tell. Super cool. That was one of the coolest things that Jackson deserves a lot of credit for at least getting the info you know, to our people who follow us. I love seeing that. I mean, I, I knew in the back of my mind that would probably happen, but it was awesome. Uh, great to see. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad they got to experience all that. And uh, it's good content, man. We, we appreciate all the people who help us when we're not in Auburn, you know, give, give us this slight sense of what it's like to be there. Uh, you know, we, we shout out that, and I, I heard on a different podcast, uh, there was some sort of celebrity uh, person for the Auburn Inn. They do, you know, A-U-B-U-R-N. And the N is, uh, you know, a celebrity or whatever, and they get a football or an F word coach or some other person to do it. And uh, I heard there was somebody different this time. I was like, okay, who's it going to be? They were like not saying who it was. And it was the Twitter people. It was, I believe it was Pablo Escobarner and this girl named Allie Davidson, right? Well, it was Ryan Sterrett, who uh, oh, it was a different been around a long time. But yeah, no, it was, it was cool. Cool for them. Allie, if you follow him, even on Auburn Twitter at all, you know Allie Davidson. She was big in that whole bill. <laughs> supplies so who were the two that, that were there i thought it was ali davidson and ryan starris it's a different person that's not paul i don't know what paul Escobar's real name is or whatever but i don't think that's it but i the, 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 uh, maybe not I don't know. all i know is that it was the two people that organized for pearl bell and different things and stuff so i'm like the like snacks and, and different help and then they ended up giving a really large sum to uh, aut live which it was the uh charity game and they ended up giving some like five thousand plus dollars, something like that, maybe even higher than that, from all the donations from Venmo from all over that helped the kids out while they were out there. It got so large that they just ended up donating to Bruce Pearl's charity. So that was super cool. Uh, you want to talk about any other college game day stuff? Any of that? You want to talk about some SEC? Uh, I mean, I would just say the Outlive campaign's awesome. What Chris has done for cancer research and getting people screened. It's a big. Uh, it's a huge thing. He did it at Tennessee. It's really cool that he's still doing it at Auburn. Love seeing all the student section wearing the shirts. I'm probably going to buy a shirt just to support the cause. You can do that as well. Um, all that money goes directly to people in Alabama fighting cancer. So cool thing. Glad again for the national spotlight on that. That's terrific. And we, uh, they had a really great moment. They showed in the replay too of everyone with their signs of who had uh, people they were either related to or people they knew 
that had cancer or died from cancer or people that this charity would have helped or whatever. And everyone in the stadium was holding a sign with a name on it, including all the, the background operations room people, the college game day crowd, every player on the team. Jabari was holding a Dick Vitale one. Bruce was holding a couple of them and had a tear going down his eye. Just a beautiful moment. And like kind of um, uh, whoever's idea it was to give every fan in the stands uh, someone to write their a name on was amazing. I get a little, almost a little goosebumps that they, you see everybody in the crowd raise up who, how cancer impacted their lives or people they love. And so it's really like a, a touching, powerful moment to look around a whole stadium and see everyone in the stadium has been touched in some way by cancer and just su- super cool. Great idea to do that and uh, a touching moment. Yeah, no, it was great. Dan Shulman, who's kind of a big deal in broadcasting, he did the play-by-play in this game. He had lost his dad to cancer last week, and uh, he had been off for a little while. This is his first game back. So, you know, the symmetry and just, you're right, it affects, we all hear that it, cancer affects all of us at some point in our families and our friends, and we all know people who have been negatively impacted by it. Um, you're right, it, it's a great thing every year. I think it gets overshadowed sometimes, but that's obviously such a, something that Bruce and his family are really passionate about. They put a lot of their own money behind it. And obviously they've built, you know, as this program has grown, that impact has grown as well. So super cool. SEC? SEC. uh, We now have this clear one, two, three, four in league standings. All the games are over. We're doing this at night. Auburn is one game up on Kentucky, two games up on Tennessee, three games up on Arkansas because Arkansas lost to Alabama today. So that's the clear top four. Auburn is almost surely going to get a double buy in the SEC tournament by being in the top four. That's good. We like that. Um, there weren't really any big notable results. LSU held on against Mississippi State tonight. I feel uh, like the, the biggest one was uh, Alabama beating Arkansas. It was at yeah. Alabama, and there was kind of this, like, two tiers or three tiers. It was us with the one loss, Kentucky with the two, and then Tennessee and Arkansas with the three. And Arkansas was red hot, and they'd beaten us. And if you're looking down our schedule, and we talked about it last podcast, I think that we expect to lose – probably two more, maybe at Tennessee and drop something else. And if we can get everybody else to three, then we're, we're sitting good. Cause like Tennessee's already at three, Kentucky's at two. We're hoping to Kentucky's just look so good. Even though tie tie went out, that's a big thing to talk about. Uh, so Kentucky, if they could lose one more, like the fact that we are like three seems like a pretty reasonable thing at Tennessee and something else. Like, like I, it's really hard for me to see four. Like, it's hard for me to see three more losses on this schedule with the way our team is. Even if we keep playing this bad on offense, it looks hard to find that. So if we can just have to tell you to lose one more game, then we can pretty much feel really good that we're going to secure a championship, even if it's a shared one. That makes you me know, and, uh, That I'm going to be nervous all the way. If you're looking ahead, big game, Tuesday night, uh, Kentucky and Tennessee play. So one of the second or third is going to lose. Um, uh, I I think I'm just going to approach that game glad that one of them will lose because, uh, I mean, Tennessee beating Kentucky would be great, but then we're two games. I'll be cheering for Tennessee for sure. Kentucky's breathing down our neck. I'll take, yeah. like I said, I think we expect maybe three, but uh, to get four, like I think if we can get that three. We'll, I'll feel pretty good that we're going to, like unless we really screw up down well, the stretch. Man, we'd have to lose three games down the stretch, and that would be – I'm telling you, we could have lost to Georgia, Missouri. Um, uh, I I just think you need to win every game you can get. Uh, Another home game against Vanderbilt. By the way, Vanderbilt has a better home uh, SEC record than A&M. They're quietly, they were five and six in the league going into Tennessee today. They lost. Um, Vanderbilt's not as bad as you might think. So 
Um, we, we need to play really well at home again and, and get that one done. And then Florida next week, that's one of those big swing games. We, we have a terrible history mm-hmm. down there because of our basketball history, but Florida seems a little, they're really athletic. We, I saw it in person in Auburn. They're dangerous. They, they played us a big game at home. Um, I think we should win that game, but it's, it's going to be a challenge. This is a big week for us. If we can put down the Vanderbilt and Florida on the road, you'll start to feel much better about things, I think, by the end of the week. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that'll be a huge swing. The kind of game that you should win away, but it's going to be t- – I mean, we saw how hard it was to win at Georgia and at Missouri, yeah. and they're at the bottom of the league. So don't expect to win in Florida. Expect that it's going to be a tough battle, uh, a big thing. I, I was thinking – I was hoping Vanderbilt would beat Tennessee because there was close at the end, and then we'd have these, like, real – tier kind of thing with uh with just us in Kentucky top and then a couple teams with four losses and things but uh a big thing people are being really annoying about Kentucky there's just narrative you just always know a team like Kentucky is going to get all the 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 love from ESPN every place the blue blood and everything but like this narrative their own fan base started that oh Ty Ty went out during the Auburn game that's why we lost you know not because we're Auburn's better team or you couldn't give us any credit at all but even ESPN's doing this I heard them in their game today be like Kentucky probably the best team in the nation when they're healthy you know like so annoying and then uh one of the Florida guys jumped on Ty Ty for some you know after a ball or whatever and Ty Ty's knee went out from underneath them and he didn't look good and he ran into the locker room kind of limping I tried to find an update on his injury the best I could find is Calipari said he could still be out a week or two who knows could be a muscle it could be something that separated because he got hit hard I'm not sure. I'm sure you could find something on Twitter after you listen to this podcast or whatever. I wish I had a better update on what's wrong with him. So it could be, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that'd be huge if they lose even another game while he's out. I don't believe that he's like, uh, you saw how much that changed our game. So even Ty Ty's stats line is not as good as you would Kentucky fans would make you believe, but also maybe it could be a Zep situation where it just changes the way the team has to play. So. Yeah, well, you're right. We got to buckle up, man. Uh, it's going to be a wild ride to the end. We're down to the last six games in league play. Um, it'll be interesting. We play Wednesday night this week. Just something to keep in mind. It's a little different. We've been playing on Tuesdays a lot. Um, so that Tennessee Kentucky game will happen first the day before, and we'll kind of see what happens there. And then obviously how we do Wednesday against Vandy. Um, you know, it'll be. Uh, you should be paying attention to all these games. I know I'm guilty. I pretty much watch Auburn and then maybe a little other SEC basketball along the way. You might start wanting to pay attention to some of these games that matter because um, they're going to get more and more important the closer we get to the end. How many top 10 teams went down this week? Did you see? It was a whole a bunch. Lot. A yeah. lot. Um, Houston lost twice this week. Um, a lot. And And look, other than our net metrics like net and stuff like that, there's really no reason Auburn shouldn't be number one on Monday, but it's conventional wisdom that Gonzaga will be, and that's fine. It really doesn't matter, but it is dumb because Arkansas is better than any team they're going to play all year in their conference, and they would be losing two, three, four games in the SEC, too, if they were in it. So it's crazy. I think we should still be number one. I doubt it'll happen, and I'm not too concerned about it, but it's just whatever. I'm sure you'll see plenty of rants online about this. It's just, it's extremely annoying to me that we can have the exact same record as Gonzaga with better wins, not playing an SEC schedule, all this stuff. And 
they're still going to get number one because they're Gonzaga. It's like, it's crazy because they're not like some long-term blue. They are blue blood now. I think it's pretty firmly they're blue blood and they're going to get the blue blood treatment and get put number one because there's still people out there with our better record voting Gonzaga number one still to this day, even right now, like after us, like only having two losses, like one loss in the, this pre-Arkansas one. So I guarantee Gonzaga jumps us. It'll be super annoying, but this is why we got the number one ranking out of the way because we knew it was going to be unfair that we could have the exact same record as them. They lost to freaking Alabama at home. We beat Alabama twice away and home and they're going to jump us anyways. And we're never, there's no, now that the record's the same, all we can do is lose more games and all they're going to do is stay completely the same. They're never not going to lose another game in conference play. We'll never jump them again. There's nobody left on the schedule. We could win out and we won't jump them. Maybe in the SEC tournament, I don't know if they do AP rankings during the SEC tournament. If we play Kentucky again, maybe then we jump them. Nobody left on our schedule is going to get us to jump Gonzaga again. So that's annoying. But, uh, you know, now that we got that number one ranking for a week or two, it's not uh, it's not as monumental. I'm not as concerned about it. Now I'm more concerned about peaking at the right time, about SEC play and watching these other games and not losing a game we're not supposed to lose. So And championships. Don't forget about winning an SEC championship. That is the most important thing right now. Yep. Any other thoughts on the game? I know your laptop's getting low. Yeah, I'm, I'm about done, man. Uh, I'm glad we could do this. Glad we got back in the win column for another win podcast. It was great. And uh, listen to our in- interview with Anthony McLemore if you haven't. Um, really, really one of the coolest things I've been able to do in a while, just getting to talk to him. Such a cool guy. Um, we're really honored and just it's been fun for us this year. Thanks to everybody listening. And we're going to keep it rolling. Undefeated at home, only done one loss podcast. It's still pretty good to say. <laughs> Undefeated in regulation. Undefeated in regulation. All right, where you go, Matt? Where you go?